Grace, mercy, peace, they're all yours. In abundance, from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. So today we are talking about everybody's favorite topic. We're talking about money. <laughs> now I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, really, Pastor? Are you serious? Favorite topic? Maybe we shouldn't be talking about money, right? Because whenever money gets brought up, it seems like there's tension, there, it's personal. In fact, I've even had people tell me over the years in church we shouldn't really bring up money because people might get upset, you might get nasty emails, uh, we might have people walk out and want to leave. I get it. I get that. I totally understand why, why talking about money in church can be kind of difficult. I totally understand that, that tensions might rise, some people might get uncomfortable, maybe even a little upset, but here's the reality. Jesus talks a lot about money. The Bible, as a whole, talks an awful lot about our financial wealth and blessings and how God would have us use it to serve him and to serve others. But I understand. I understand why this topic might be difficult for many, if not at some level, for all of us to navigate. Now, maybe the reasons are different for us. Maybe for some of you, you came from a church or grew up in a church that it seemed like all they did was talk about money. Money, money, money. Give us money for this. Give us money for that. And, and, and whether that was reality or not, your perception was church only wants my money. money. Right? Maybe that's why some people in the church get uncomfortable. I think maybe another reason is if you get uncomfortable, maybe it's because you have actually never been taught what the Bible says about money and how God would have us use it. Maybe. Or maybe you have been taught, but, but maybe you've forgotten. Or maybe you're just simply afraid. Maybe you're afraid, maybe it's selfishness, maybe it's a whole host of other things that when money gets brought up, you don't really want to talk about it, you don't want to address it, you're worried if it'll be okay if you give, or how dare somebody tell me how to use my money. Whatever it is, we, we all have different thoughts on the topic of money. But again, your God talks about it, so we need to. So before you check out, before you log out, I want to make three promises to you this morning as we navigate the topic of money. Promise number one, my goal today in telling you God's word is not to get something from you. Because in many ways, it's not like I'm going to benefit. If everybody here, everybody online gave like $50,000 today, I'm still going to drive my 1998 Toyota Avalon with some rust on it, and I'm still going to rotate my couple of suits that I have. And so I'm not trying to get something from you to gain from it. I, I just simply want to share Jesus with you and what he says about giving, because he says when you give, he's going to bless. Promise number two, I'm not here to pressure anyone. I just want to give you Jesus. Again, just give you Jesus. Because here's the deal. If you are not convinced that Jesus is the greatest thing ever, 
If you are not 100% convinced that, that God has given you everything and you want to give him everything in return because he's number one in your life, I don't actually expect you to give. Because the Bible says giving is connected to spiritual growth. Giving is a heart issue. And so as you grow and learn more and more about Jesus, your giving's going to grow too. But if you're still young in your walk of faith, then I want to share Jesus with you so that you can grow. Number three, I'm not just going to preach a sermon on the how-to of Christian giving. That serves a purpose. It wouldn't be wrong, right? I could talk about how God says, give the first and best of your income, and your, your, your offerings should reflect that, proportionate keeping with your income, right? So as you think about how much you make, if you make 50000 and give five bucks, Jesus said, you need to reevaluate. He talks about all that in the Bible, but that's not what we're going to do today. I want to give you the why. Why can you give generously? Because my fear is if I just stood up here for the next 25 minutes and talked about the, the how, it will not address the fear, the selfishness, the laziness, and all the host of other reasons that get in the way of us generously giving. So this morning, we're going to focus on the why. As we continue this sermon series on living life together, why can you and I give generously with no fear, no strings attached? And we're going to look at 2 Corinthians to do it. This section of God's word is recorded in actually two different chapters. Chapter 8 and chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians is probably the longest section in Scripture that specifically deals with finances and being generous and giving. And so our purposes for this morning, we're going to look at verses 6 through 15. And this is what Paul says to these young Christians. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So, what's going on here? 
Paul is writing to a young Christian church in that ancient city of Corinth, and in this section, he's encouraging them to be generous, to give of their finances to help others. Now, the Christian Corinth, they had heard there was a need. They heard that their fellow believers in Jerusalem were hurting, they were struggling, like really, really bad. There was famine, persecution, and keep in mind, the Jews in Jerusalem and the Christians living there, they didn't have a stimulus check on the way that was going to help them out. They didn't have a soup kitchen to go to. They had no social safety nets to help out the poor and the down and out. They were pretty much on their own. And the Christians in Corinth, among other churches, heard this and they said, we want a gift. We want to help them because they're hurting. And so the Corinthian Christians said, we're going to take up an offering. And once Paul and some of the other guys, disciples, and church leaders come, we're going to give them this big offering to take back to the church in Jerusalem so that they will be okay, so that they can eat and survive. Now, between this commitment to give and collecting an offering and getting to Jerusalem, it kind of sounds like something happened. Some, for some reason, they hesitate. And so Paul writes these words to encourage them. That they can give and they don't need to be afraid and that it's going to be okay. Now I recognize there's an awful lot in that section that I just read. So what I want to do today is I want to zero in on two or three different passages that really bring out the why you and I can give just like these young Christians could give. And the first verse I want to focus in on is verse 6. Let me reread it. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So what's he talking about? You you get the illustration, don't you? It's kind of an agricultural farming. I know most of us don't have anything to do with farming anymore, but right, you you only throw a little seed out there. You shouldn't expect a lot in return, right? The the farmer, the gardener, you you want to sow seed with abandon especially the way they did farming back then, because then your results, your harvest will be greater. Now, whenever I hear these words, I can't help but think of my grandpa. And what my grandpa thought God meant with these words and what Paul is getting at and God actually means were not the same. This is how my grandpa processed giving in light of words like this. He thought that if you put a $20 bill in the plate, that at some point God's going to hook you up. At some point, you're going to get that check in the mail, or somehow you're going to get more cash in return. And he thought, well, that's just how, how giving works, like a business transaction. That's not what God tells us. Now, sometimes maybe, right? But, but when we give and give generously, God promises to bless us, but he doesn't promise if you put 20, I'll send you a $40 check in the mail. That's, that's not how it works. Maybe the blessings come in the fact that you can be at peace knowing if you give, you're still okay. You're not going hungry. You still have clothes to wear. You still have a home to live in. And so God has blessed you tremendously that, that you can give without being afraid of having the necessities of life or not. Or maybe as you sow generously, right, it, Maybe that relationship improves, or or God blesses you and helps you to see and opens your eyes to the fact that other people have heard the gospel. Because here's the thing about giving. When it comes to giving, 
we're talking about it in the lens of living life together because we can't do it alone. Especially think about church. If only one or two families gave offerings to church, a lot of what we do would not be able to happen. We wouldn't have this building. You wouldn't have a pastor up here every week. We wouldn't be able to do the stuff we can do online to, to reach out to hundreds of people every Sunday and throughout the week. But even bigger, as we give, it makes you a part of something amazing. Because you see, when you put your offerings in the plate, it doesn't just go to keep the lights on or to make sure that we have some heat on a cool winter morning. You get to be a part of something amazing. You get to be a part of God's mission of saving souls. Did you know that? Because it's true. In fact, I, I want to I help you understand that. Like when you give every Sunday, whether you throw something in the plate, you, you hit the button online, you are changing people's eternity, whether you realize it or not. Whether it's the child who's brought here to be baptized or, or, or the couple who might stand up here and profess their faith or our teens and young people whether it's the new family who comes into town and, and they have a place to, to show up and get connected to Jesus, his word, and to other people, your offerings go to that. But that's not all. It goes even deeper than that. I think of the young mom who's going through a hard time feeling that mom guilt that I know a lot of you moms can relate to. Probably all of you moms have felt it at some point in your life, if you're a mother. And she was struggling. Wondering if she was doing her kids right and being a good mom and doing what she needed to do and all kinds of guilt. Until I got to look at her and say, it's okay. You're going to be all right. And you know what? Jesus, Jesus died for you. He forgave you. He's going to be with you. You don't need to feel guilt. Because he took that away. And she's in a better place now. Because she heard the gospel. Or I think about the email that I, I got not too long ago. A person telling me how they had been to church, to church, to church, and, and they just never really felt fed, and they didn't feel connected, and, and oftentimes the people at these churches weren't super friendly, and, and she was just... In her words, dying spiritually. She was looking for, for the gospel. She was looking for connection. And, and it didn't seem like she was getting it anywhere. But now things are different. She's found a place where she feels like, she feels like this could be the place. I'm hearing about Jesus and I feel like this could be, this could be me and my family's home. Or I think about the individual who sat in my office quite a few years ago, who held on to a secret for over 20 years, said they couldn't tell anybody, not even their spouse, because they were so scared of what they would think of that person. And they were quite convinced that God probably couldn't forgive him for that sin, because that was a pretty bad one. 20 years carrying the guilt of that sin. And then before they left, 
talking about a weight being lifted off their shoulders and tears down their face because they heard God died for, yes, that sin too. And that it was going to be okay because they were a forgiven child of God. Friends, I, I know that, that you don't always see it. Sometimes I don't always see it, but when you give, it impacts people for eternity. Even if you're not the one teaching the starting point class, even if you're not the one baptizing, even if you have no idea who I've met with the last week or two and, and talked them off a ledge and said, Jesus loves you, you're not alone, your giving is a part of a greater mission that are changing hearts and lives through Jesus. You have to know that. I want you to know that. You're not just giving randomly. You're giving so that people will know the sweet gospel that Jesus loves them and saves them. So the very first point that I want to bring up, if you're taking notes, write this down. Why give? Because when you give, lives are changed by the gospel forever. That's powerful. That brings us up to the, to the next point I, I want to bring out. Remember how I said at the beginning of the sermon why sometimes what stops people from giving is, is maybe fear, maybe a little selfishness, maybe I don't know if I'm going to have enough for myself. Right? I, I want you to listen to these words here. Paul gives us another why we can give generously and don't need to be afraid. He says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work mm. you hear what he's saying and paul says hey guys don't worry because god is able god can god will he's powerful enough as you give, God is able to take care of all of your needs. So why then do we sometimes live and act like you can't? I know I'm guilty of this. I'm guessing you struggle with this too, right? Why do we sometimes say, God's got this, we don't need to be afraid, and then before we can even finish the sentence, we start worrying about something going on in our life as if God can't actually take care of it. Why is it that we, we say, you, you know, we're going to trust God, he gives us all things, but then, then sometimes we live as if we have to hold on to our possessions because we don't want to give anything up because we might lose out. And God says, I'm able, I'll, I'll provide, what are you scared about? Why is it that we can live in, in one of the richest countries in the history of the world, not just now, but in the history of the world, and still sometimes hold on to things as if we're going to go without. Because we have blessings that most people in the world now and throughout the history have never had. And they can only dream of because they're never going to have it. And God has given them to you and then some. God is able. So why do we sometimes live like he's not? Do you know what you need? Do you know the only thing that you need to live a, a happy and secure life is? Do you know? God. 
Right? The scripture says if you have God and you have all the blessings that he gives you through Jesus, you have everything. There's nothing you lack. And here's the crazy part. God loved you so much that he not only gave you his son, he gave you forgiveness, he gave you eternal life, he gave you houses and cars and vacations and switches and tablets and internets and stuff that half the time we're like, we got to declutter because we haven't even touched that in five years. That's how blessed God has, has made us. So why give? Or maybe a different question, what if? What if we actually got back to God's word and believed it, right? Because when we get selfish, when we start to worry, when we start to think we're not going to have enough, isn't the ultimate reason because we've taken our eyes off of Jesus? We've forgotten the greatest blessings of all that he has given to us and his promises to us, and so what if, with God's help, we redirect back to those promises? What if we actually practiced what we preached? What if we actually lived the faith that we confess, that God is able to provide all our needs, body and soul, and everything in between? What if? What if we actually knew and believed that our worth like our song at the beginning said, it, it doesn't come from stuff. It doesn't come from your rank. It doesn't come from your position or how many degrees are hanging on your wall or what you have in your 401k, but it comes from God who loves you. What if we believe that? Live that faith and gave generously knowing that God is able because he's already given us everything in Jesus. That's our second why today. Why give? And I want to talk about why give, and we're going to look at a passage that's actually not in the section I just read, but it's in the chapter before, but still a part of the big section on financial giving, right? And I think this is the most important passage in this whole section because it gets us back to where we need to, to start giving generously. This is what Paul reminds us. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Mm. Why can you give generously? It's right there. Because Jesus has already generously given you everything. Let, let, let me unpack this, this, this verse real quick for you, because I, I want to help you to see this. Like, you've got to see this. If we're going to give generously, this is where it starts, right? You have Jesus, who is filthy rich. And we're not just talking money either. We're talking, like, in every way. Heaven and earth are his. The universe is his. All the stuff that you claim is yours is actually his. Uh, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, ruling over all things. He's got power. He's got dominion. He's got kingdoms. He's got everything, because he's God. Yet he chose to give it all up. Do you know that? He came to this world and talk about being rich in every way, yet becoming poor. How humbling and poor must that have been that God says, I'm going to clothe myself with human skin and be a human being. 
Mm. He was rich. Yet for your sake he became poor. And if that weren't enough, your king, your Jesus, he then was willing to give up his most prized possession of all. His life. You know, that life of his that was holy, that was perfect, that never had to come here in the first place, and, and it wasn't for his sins that he had to go for the cro- to the cross. He gave it all up, even his life for you. He became sin, your sin, so that you could have his righteousness. Right? Fancy way to say his holiness, his perfection. He, he gave up the abundance of his wealth, so that you would be not rich in money, but rich in the Spirit, rich in faith, forgiveness, eternal life, the things that money can't buy. Jesus gave it all up. And he didn't think about it. He didn't count the cost. He didn't think, well, what's going to happen if I do this? Maybe I won't have enough for me. He says, no, no, no. I'm going to give it all. So that they can have it all. Think about that. Your God loved you so much that he was willing to give up everything to make you his own. So that you would be forgiven. And so that you can go to sleep tonight. And even if you didn't wake up in the morning, you can know without a doubt that you're going to be with him. That's why we can give generously. Because Jesus first gave to us. But that's what Paul wanted these young Christians to know. Guys, it's going to be all right. You can generously give to help your brothers and sisters in Jerusalem, and God's going to take care of all of your needs. No fear. He's got you, right? And Paul wants us to know the same thing. You don't need to be afraid to give generously because God's got you. So are you ready to do it? What are you afraid of? Are you ready to give generously in view of what God has done so that others might know him too? Are you ready to give, not because you must, but because you get to? Not because God forces you to, but because there's nothing we'd rather do when we see the love of our Father in heaven. Are you ready? I think I can answer the question, at least in part. I know you are. About two months ago, I presented you with with numerous families who needed help. Families who, who needed help with Christmas presents, families who were struggling with some medical bills and health issues. There were families that were presented to you who needed some love, love from God's people so that they would know that God loves them too. And you gave. If I was crunching my numbers right, it was a little hard with all the presents. We didn't get it all monetarily, but, but I think we gave like over $3,500. We're not a big church, but $3,500 in like a three-week span. Maybe not even quite three weeks. $3,500 you guys gave. And some of you watching online, you sent stuff in too. So that others would know the love of God. 
so that other people would know that they're not alone, that, that other people were thinking about them, praying for them, willing to help them in any way. You gave, and you weren't worried about what's in it for me. I had nobody that gave come back and said, well, what, what do I get out of this? Or, you know, I want to see some results. Nope, you gave because you love Jesus and you wanted to love others. That's awesome. Friends, let's keep doing that. As we look at Jesus who has given us everything, we can give generously, unafraid. All because, as Paul ends that section here, all because of that thankful thing God has given us, that indescribable gift, Jesus, forgiveness, and life. Amen.